of a lengthy reading, but I want to read all of this. You, you do understand that, that in these, um, the, the second and third chapter of the book of Revelation, that what is there uh, is a series of letters that are written to various churches that were scattered throughout Asia. And um, so what I want to do tonight for my text, I want to read the entire letter that was written to the church at Philadelphia. And there's a reason why um, I, want to, I want to use this, this letter tonight, and I think you'll see it as we begin to read. Revelation chapter 3, and we begin with verse number 7. Revelation 3 and verse 7. And to the angel of the church in Philadelphia write, These things saith he that is holy, he that is true, he that hath the key of David, he that openeth, and no man shutteth, and shutteth, and no man openeth. Now, before we go any farther, just please note the opening statement here in verse 7. This letter, obviously the letter speaks to the church. The things that are written here involve the entire congregation. But what God said, he spoke to the angel. And the Greek word there is angelos. It is the messenger unto the messenger of the church. And so God many times gives the message to the messenger. And it is his job then to deliver the word that's spoken it's not just to him individually. God wasn't writing about the pastor in Philadelphia. God was speaking to John about the church in Philadelphia. Are you with me tonight? Though he spoke these things to the messenger of the church, the promises that he made and the things that he said were not intended to simply stay with the messenger. God wasn't just speaking to that pastor, but God was speaking to that church. That's, that's, that's important. So let's move on. Verse 8. I know thy works. Behold, I have set before thee an open door and no man can shut it does this sound familiar to anybody I have set before thee an open door and no man can shut it for thou hast a little strength I love this I know you're standing but, but look, I love this. He, he says, you have a little... He doesn't say you are some more powerhouse. Right? He, he didn't say you've got... 
you've got the strength of an ox. He said, you got a little bit of strength. You're, he's, he's, not, he's not writing. He's not writing to some mega church that's the awe of Asia Minor. He's writing to a church that he loves and he cares about. And this was not an insult. He was just stating the facts. God's just truthful. When he told Ezekiel what to preach to the bones, he didn't say tell them they're a great army, though that's what they were going to become. He said, I want you to say unto them, oh, you dry bones. Just tell the truth. Whatever that is, just tell the truth. Tell it like it is. State the facts, Ezekiel. And that's what God's doing here to Philadelphia. You have a little strength. Then he says, and you've kept my word. You've not denied my name. Behold, I will make them. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost. I will make them of the synagogue of Satan, which say they're Jews and are not, but do lie. Behold, I will make them to come and worship before thy feet and to know that I have loved thee because thou hast kept the word of my patience. I also will keep thee from the hour of temptation, which shall come upon all the world to try them that dwell upon the earth. Behold, I come quickly. Hold that fast which thou hast. Get a grip. Get a grip. Bad times coming. I'm going to keep you. But I'm telling you, there's something I want from you as well. Hold fast what you got right now so that no man takes your crown. Verse 12, him that overcometh will I make a pillar in the temple of my God and he shall go no more out and I will write upon him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God which is New Jerusalem which cometh down out of heaven from my God and I will write upon him my new name. He that hath an ear let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. What a letter. What a letter. What a letter. Isn't it amazing that God took time to write a letter to a particular church? Again, not a church that's just blowing and going and Knocking the walls out. Not at the moment, Brother Josh. Not, not right then. They weren't. Oh, hallelujah. I wish you felt what I'm feeling right now. Right then, they weren't having to try to clear off land for extra parking. Right then, at that moment, they just had a little strength. But they were staying true to the word of God. And God said, I like that. I like that. 
God said, I know. And I see. And I want you to understand something, Philadelphia. You may not right now be the talk of your city, your country, your continent. Not right now, but I want you to know this. I'm setting before you an open door. And when I get through, those that have been fighting you are going to fall and worship. They're going to know. Now, they're not worshiping the Philadelphians. They're worshiping God. But they're doing it in the presence of the people of Philadelphia. God said, I see you. I understand. I know where you're at. And I've opened a door for you. And what a door it's going to be. And I want you to know, Philadelphia, that as long as I've got it open, nobody can shut it. And if I shut it, nobody's going to be able to open it again. This is a door that is completely controlled by the power and the will and the dictate of the Holy Ghost. God determines when it's open, when it's closed. And nobody can change that fact. So tonight I want to preach to you for a little while about going through the open door. Going through the open door. Would you put your Bibles down and lift your hands, lift your voices, and let's talk to the Lord tonight. Let's ask him to help us. Let's ask him to speak to our hearts. We need the touch of God right now. I need God's help. Everybody, let's, let's talk to God. Jesus name in Jesus name let's worship the Lord together right now everybody come on let's praise him like we were a while ago when the music was going let's praise him let's praise him let's praise him oh hallelujah ah, my, 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 my. hallelujah God bless you you may be seated. Now, God promised to the church in Philadelphia that he had set before them an open door. Of course, we understand that this word door is being used metaphorically for an entrance. It is a way of getting in somewhere. It is metaphorically an opportunity to do something 
to arrive somewhere. It is a place of passage. Well, hallelujah. Amen. Now, let's, let's look at this promise again in Revelation 3 and 8. And I got to try to keep reminding myself I'm preaching tonight and not teaching. So I'm going to try to do that, but I'm not making you any promises. All right, Revelation 3 and verse 8. I know thy works. Behold, I have set before thee an open door, and no man can shut it. For thou hast little strength, and thou hast kept my word, and hast not denied my name. God said to this church, I have set before you an open door. You know, I imagine there were times in the history of the church in Philadelphia when they felt like they were beating on a locked door. I, I got a feeling, Brother Jerry, that there were times that they had prayed to heaven because God said you just got a little strength. I, I, I got a feeling that there were times that they prayed and they fasted and they wondered if God was even noticing where they were and what they were going through. But God said, I do know. I do know. I've got my eye on you. I know exactly where you are. I know exactly what you've been doing. And I want you to understand something, Philadelphia. I don't care how many times you've tried the door in the past. I don't care how many times uh, you've turned the knob and it wouldn't go anywhere. I want you to know that as of this moment, there is a door that is open for you. This is not like it's been up until now, but I've made a decree. I've made a declaration from heaven. And as of this moment, Philadelphia, there is a door that's open unto you. And when I open it, nobody is going to be able to shut it. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Mm. Oh. Oh. I don't want to get too far ahead of myself. Oh, man, I got to pace myself. Pace myself here. Oh. I remember, I remember not long after I came here to pastor this church, I guess I should have checked the records to find out the exact date. I apologize, it just didn't cross my mind uh, to do that until right now. It's kind of late to do it now. So anyhow, but some, at some point, some point not long after I became pastor of this church. I started a series of studies that I've taught on more than one occasion, and I've made no apology for that. There are, I said then when I taught it the first time, that there were some series of studies that I felt like the church needed to hear again and again and again. And, uh, and I still believe that. But I, I, I started a series of study not long after I became pastor, way back 1996, 
it, I don't know if it was the end of 96, the first part of 97, somewhere in there. I hadn't been pastor here very long at all. And I started teaching a series on the seven churches of Asia. And uh, again, I've taught it more than once since I've been here. But I'm talking about the very first time that I taught that series to this church. We would take one of these seven churches in each of the services and we would address the letter that was written to it and we would examine the things that God said to these churches and we, we talked about it. And I'm not going to ruin it because who knows, the Lord may be dealing with me with this message because he may want me to go back and teach it again soon. I don't know. So I'm not going to mess all that up and give it all away. I, I'm, just, I'm just telling you that that this is what was going on. And, and I remember, and I'm telling you, this is saying something for me to remember much of anything because I don't know. Well, I, now I almost told a fib just now. Thank you, Lord, for catching me there. I start saying I don't know what I had for breakfast yesterday, but I do because I met with some other preachers and we, we ate. So I remember exactly what I had. It's just one of those unusual situations. But... There's a whole lot I don't remember anymore. But I'm telling you, there was a moment as I taught this series that is indelibly burnt into my memory. It's one of those things that I believe God anchored solidly in my mind so that I wouldn't forget it. Amen. I believe the Lord does that. I believe he does that. And, 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 as I was teaching on the church in Philadelphia and I got to verse 8 and I read about the open door and I talked about what that signified and what a great promise that was. Because I, I, I'm telling you, not every church has an open door. And I, I began to stress to the church that it's something we ought to desire. It's something we ought to hunger for. It's something we ought to long for. It's something we ought to ask God for. Because if God ever gives us an open door, then there's no limit to what we can see happen. We're going to talk about that in a few moments. I'm going to show you in the scripture, all right? But, but I was really stressing it, and I... I remember, I remember so very, very clearly, Brother Chad, I remember saying to this church at that time, church, I long for the day when God speaks to us directly and says to this church, I'm giving you an open door. I remember that so clearly. I remember it so clearly. In my mind, making that statement, I, I am longing for the day when God sees something in this church and says to us, I'm giving you an open door. As I said, that was sometime either in, in, in late 96 or early 97. I don't remember for sure the exact date, but I remember the incident. But I can tell you this. That in September of 1997, I had been here just a little over a year. And my pastor, who has now gone on to his reward, 
came to preach for us. I had not told him anything about that series of study. I had not said anything to him about the statement I made to this church or the prayer that I was praying. I didn't tell him anything. But I remember so clearly, Brother Nelson, I remember so clearly when Elder Davis stepped to the pulpit and began to preach. And as he preached, the spirit of prophecy came on him. And, and God spoke through the elder. And God said, I'm going to give this church an open door. I remember it. I remember it. I remember when he spoke those words because I thought, God, oh, you're so gracious. You're so merciful. You're so kind. I I've been praying this prayer, and now you've heard me, and you've granted this. And the promise came. The promise came, and, and I rejoiced. I rejoiced because the promises of God are yea and amen. When God says it, God will honor it. Amen. Now, I want to tell you, there, there have been various times since September of 1997 when some man of God would come through here. And uh, some of you remember some of what I'm saying now because I've reminded you when those men have stepped to the pulpit and without knowing, without knowing what anybody else had said or what the history behind that promise was. They would come along and under the unction of God's spirit, they would renew that promise. They would remind us and they would tell us that God was going to open the door for us. He's done it time and time again. And so here we are now on this night, April the 7th. 2019 and I don't know I don't know how many of you realize this but we are exactly one week exactly one week from it being 23 years ago that I was elected to be the pastor of this assembly and on this day in the service this morning God again renewed the promise to this church. I'm telling you, God hasn't forgotten. There may be people who have come and gone, but God has not forgotten. You hear what I'm telling you? When God speaks and he watches over it, God's not going to let one word that he spoke fall to the ground. And it may have been 23 years, and we may not have seen it yet, but you hang on, honey. God said it. Uh, time and time again, men have come through. And usually, there will be a number of years in between each renewing of the promise. And then today, today, of all days, as God began to move in such a glorious way this morning, he once again came along and reminded us of that glorious promise of what he would do for us and for this church. Now, let me tell you, I made mention that something unusual happened to me today that uh, I feel like confirmed 
to me the direction of this service. I was going through some things this afternoon, just looking over stuff and, and uh, just digging through some old files for a little while. And, and I came across a document where I had made record of something that had taken place many, many years ago. And um, as I said, Elder Davis proclaimed that first promise in September of 97. And the reason I know the date of that is because of this document that I found. I had it, I had it all written down and recorded and notated of what happened. And uh, there was a reason why I did it, because it was, it was September of 97 that God did this. And then, and then almost, almost two years later, it was on a Friday, according to the document I found. I had all this, I had all this written down, all right? And, and, and on this document, I mentioned the original prophecy and when it had happened. And, and then I went on to say that, that on Friday, August the 13th of 1999, I, I was in my home church in Dallas. And Elder Davis uh, had a conference every year uh, in Dallas. And, and we went, and some of you uh, went to that conference back in those days. But while I was at that meeting on Friday, on Friday, August the 13th of 99, amen, a, a man of God came to me and prophesied to me on that day. And again, the promise was renewed. But this time, this time, and I believe this is why I wrote it down, this time there was something else that was said about that promise. The Lord spoke to me on that Friday, on that Friday, God spoke to me and he said, I have set before thee an open door. And then God said, fear thou not to go through it. Now, I, look, there, there's, I, I don't just write down everything. I, I try to, you know, I, I do try to record when somebody has a dream or, or a word from God, I do try to write those things down. I like to keep those things. I like, I like to keep them. But, but this one, obviously, as I read through this, it troubled me. I came back thankful for the renewal of the promise, but troubled by the last part of that statement. Because I thought, why would I be afraid to go through a door God opens? What is there to fear? Why would God have to say that to me? And so when I wrote it all down, I made note that it didn't really make sense to me as to why God would encourage me. Don't be afraid to go through the door I open for you. I... um just didn't quite add up in my finite mind. But I kept reading. And the next thing on that, on that record of this promise was that word had come to me on Friday and on Sunday, and I didn't even record what I was preaching that Sunday morning, 
I didn't record what I said, but I did record this, that as I was preaching to this church, the Lord opened my mind and my understanding as to why he would say to me, don't be afraid to walk through the door. I, um, I want to talk about that for a little while tonight, all right? All this has been my introduction. That's just the introduction. I'm, I'm getting to the meat of the message here. But, but I want to talk about that. I, I believe the hand of God was in me finding this document on this day. But God renewed the promise this morning and then let me find this document on this day. I believe the hand of God is in it. And I believe that what is on my heart right now is the message God wants to give to this church. This is why I said to you that the message of Revelation 3 wasn't just to the messenger, the angel in Philadelphia. It was to the church in Philadelphia. And I believe that even what God spoke to me so many years ago when he said, I'm going to open that door, don't be afraid to go through it. I believe that was more than God just talking to me. I believe he's talking to this church. And I believe God saved it for this very moment. Well, hallelujah. Well, hallelujah. Help me, Jesus. Uh, don't bail out on me yet now. We're, we're going somewhere. Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 16 and verses 8 and 9. We're going to talk about somebody else that God opened the door for them. Let's talk about this. 1 Corinthians, the apostle Paul is writing 1 Corinthians 16 verses 8 and 9. But I will tarry at Ephesus until Pentecost. For a great and effectual door is opened now, unto me. Now, 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 now look, Paul said... I'm, I'm at Ephesus right now, and I'm not planning on going anywhere right away. And I'm going to tell you why. Because God opened a door. God opened a door. Right here where I'm at, there's an open door. And I intend to go through that door. Well, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, 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 look, we can talk about, we're going to talk about the rest of this, but, but I just want you to understand, when Paul said a great door, that, that, that word great, actually, uh, another way to translate that would be a wide open door. It's wide open. It's wide open. Well, praise God. We're not talking about a narrow passageway. We're talking about a wide open door. A great door. And effectual. The word effectual, uh, as it's used here, was actually a word that appeared in ancient Greek documents as a medical receipt that the doctors had given the patient something very potent. Very strong. It's going to work. You know, there, there's a lot of antibiotics that you can get for various uh, problems 
that you have physically. But we learned early on when we go to Africa, we're dealing with the big bugs over there. And so we don't just take some, some small, weak antibiotic. They, they, in fact, when we first started going, uh, the, the, uh, uh, what they call Cipro that we would take, uh, it, was, it was a hundred and something dollars per bottle. And each of us had to have a bottle of our own. And the reason it was so expensive is because this was the big guns. This was not the BB gun of antibiotics. All right, I mean, this was, this was a cannon, and they understood this was potent stuff, and that's the word that doctors would use, that Paul uses here, and is translated for us as effectual. Here's what Paul said. God has opened in Ephesus a wide open door, and you talk about a powerful door. He said, it's powerful. It'll deal with anything that comes my way. And he said, there are many adversaries. Now, we'll talk about that in a moment. But remember, he said, I'm going to stay at Ephesus. Everyone say Ephesus. This is where this great door and effectual was open for Paul. So please bear with me tonight. I have said many times I hate to read a lot of verses because too many times when we get to reading a lot, people think it's a bedtime story and start falling asleep. So I don't want anybody to fall asleep, especially you. You better not fall asleep on the platform. I can turn your chair over. Now, now, now I want you to hear, we're talking about a great door and effectual. I'm going to say a great door. I'm going to say an effectual door. I want you to see how great and how effectual the door at Ephesus was. Now this is a familiar story, but it doesn't dawn on us that this was part of the great and effectual door God opened to Paul. Let's start reading in Acts chapter 19, verse number 1. And it came to pass. Came to pass. That while, Apollos while Apollos was at was Corinth, Corinth, Paul, Paul passed, having passed through the upper, upper coast, came to Ephesus. Came to, came to Ephesus. He came to the open door. He came to Ephesus. Read. And finding certain, finding disciples, certain disciples. He said unto he them, said unto them have, you have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? They said unto him, we have not so much as heard whether there be any Holy Ghost. Are you going to read or am I? Yes, sir. All right. Read, read, read. Unto what then were you unto baptized? Unto what then, Paul said, were you baptized? And they said unto, and they said unto him, unto John's baptism. Then said Paul, then said Paul John, John verily, baptized, baptized with a baptism of repentance, saying unto the people that they should believe on him, which should come after him, that is, on Christ Jesus. And when they heard this, they were baptized, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid his hands on them, they received the Holy Ghost. And they spake with tongues. And they prophesied. I'm talking about a great door. I'm talking about an effectual door. Now these were... These were believers. These were church folks. They were members of the first church of the Frigidaire. 
Some of you don't even know what a Frigidaire is. We're going to have to find something else to call it. I think Frigidaire went out of business some time back. Huh? Maytag. I don't know. But anyhow, whatever. Kenmore. Now look. These people were members of a church. They had influence. They had relatives in that church. They had friends teaching Sunday school over there. Hallelujah. You know, one of the ladies may have just been the choir director in that big church downtown Ephesus. These are religious folks. They've been following John the Baptist. They went to the first Baptist church. Oh, hallelujah. They went to the first Baptist church. Paul said, you call yourself a believer, but I want to know something. Have you received anything since you believed? It's good that you believe, but believing's no good until you receive. They said, we didn't even know there was anything for us to receive. Yeah, this was the Baptist church. I'm not throwing stones. I'm, I'm, I'm telling you. My dad was raised Baptist. I know, I know. They don't believe this stuff's for us today. And most of them, most of them. And uh, so they, they said, we, we'd never heard. And so Paul said, well, then please tell me this. How, how did you get baptized? Well, we got a good Baptist baptism. I mean, we got dunked. We got immersed. Baptists do that. We got immersed. We, we, we got immersed by Pastor John. Pastor of First Baptist Church of Ephesus. He got baptized by Pastor John. And Paul said, you didn't listen to him very good. Because he preached a sermon one time where he said, what I'm telling you is not everything there is. Now go back and find that in the sermon archives and listen to what he said again. Because he said, there's one that's coming after me that's mightier than I am. He said, I may baptize you with water, but there's somebody else coming that's going to baptize you with fire. And when they heard this, they said, take us back to the water. We're not satisfied with our Baptist baptism. We want to be baptized the apostolic way. Come on, Apostle Paul. Take us down there and baptize us in Jesus' name. Woo! Brother Hilton, I'm enjoying myself a little too much, huh? I'm enjoying myself too much here. Man, they got baptized the apostolic way. And they got through. Paul went over and laid hands on them. They received the Holy Ghost and started talking in tongues. And they didn't just talk in tongues. Lord, have mercy. I wish I'd get some folks to get this kind of Holy Ghost experience. I mean, first timers, first timers talking in tongues. They talk in tongues a while. They prophesy a while. They talk in tongues a while. They prophesy. Oh, God, give us some of that. Yeah. Amen. 
I'm talking about a great door. I'm talking about an effectual door. We're not done. We're not, we're not done now. Let's read, 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 read. What'd you stop for? Oh, because I had to preach. That's why. Read. They spake with tongues and prophets. Yeah, they did. And all the men were about 12. There's about 12 men there. Uh, Wouldn't that be, you talk about. Brother Nick, I I heard Elder Westberg talk about that Wednesday night when those eight men come walking in and God filled all eight of them with the Holy Ghost. Now, I'd love to see eight men get the Holy Ghost. But I'd like it even more if we had 12 good Baptist folks just the men, just the men, and then not counting the women and children. I don't know how many was in that crowd. But we're talking about a great door and effectual. All the men were about 12. About 12. Now, now look, that's just, that's just when the door first started opening. I mean, that's it. Paul just got here. He didn't even realize the door was open yet. He's just passing through. And next thing he knows, he's looking around. He said, where'd that door go? I'm not even having to knock. It's just open. Now, that's not the extent of a great and effectual door. It's just the beginning. Let's, let's skip down. And we're in the same, same context now. Skip down to verse 11. And God wrought special and miracles. God wrought special miracles by the hands of Paul. From his body. Yeah, 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 yeah. Handkerchiefs, Handkerchiefs and aprons. And that the, disease departed the diseases departed from them. And, the evil and evil spirits started going out of them. Now it starts with 12 good Baptist folks. But now all of a sudden the devil possessed are getting set free. Amen. And the sick are getting healed. Yes. Amen, amen, amen. That door just keeps on widening. It just keeps on getting bigger and getting greater. Yes, yes. Hallelujah. Special miracles performed because of the great and the effectual door that God opened at Ephesus. And that's not all. It's going down verse 18. Many that believed came. And Many that believed came. And confessed and showed their deeds. Many of them also used curious yeah. hearts. Wait, wait, wait. Now, now, wait, hang on, hang on. Hang on. We'll get, we'll get to verse 19 in a minute now. Hang on. So verse 18 said, what? And many that believe. And many that, you know what's happening now? That Baptist church is starting to empty. Because these are believers. Lord, I hope this doesn't get, this recording doesn't get in the wrong hands, folks. I feel like I'm just slapping the Baptist. I'm not slapping Baptist. Listen, my dad was, my dad was Baptist. I'm not slapping a Baptist. I, I love the Baptist. That's right. Amen. I, I was talking to, I was talking to somebody yesterday, and they said, 
Man, I said, when God found me, I was a backslid Methodist. I said, a backslid Methodist? Lord have mercy, you were in trouble. I didn't even know Methodists could backslide. I'm not throwing stones. All right, please don't misunderstand me. If any good Baptist and Methodist listen, please, I'm not. Uh, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not throwing stones. I'm just having a little bit of fun here. And uh, many that believed. So, so first thing that happens is that church group, that those 12 men were a part of. They, they're, they're coming and they're saying, you know what? We've been saying we're Christians, but Lord have mercy. The stuff we've been involved in ain't right and we know it ain't right. And we need something stronger than just a profession of faith. We need something stronger than just our name on a church membership role. We, we, we got to have a power that's greater than just accepting Christ as our personal Savior. And they no doubt saw the difference in those 12 men and said, whatever those guys got, that's what we want. Now, church, I'm preaching to you about a great door and effectual. This is what happens when the door is open. So now all these churches are emptying out and and, and then what happens? Now let's get to verse 19. You are so anxious to get there. Now it's your turn. Go. Any of them also used curious arts. Yeah, they're using curious arts. Brought their books Brought together. their books together. Now, you know what? I think this must have been like Picasso and some of that. That's, that's curious art if you ask me. No, I, I'm just kidding. That's not, that's not what this means. Brought their books together. That's, we're talking about people practicing witchcraft, all right? And, and, and they bring their their books of witchcraft together and, and they burned them before all men oh, you know what we've had a few bonfires out here behind the church brother nelson wouldn't it be great if one night we we had a bunch of converted ex-witches that are out here just burning all their paraphernalia saying take that devil i'm talking about a great door and effectual when god opens it They burned them. They counted the price of them and found it. 50,000 pieces of silver. I don't know how much silver's going for. That sounds like a lot of money to me. I think we'd probably build a new church with that. And tell you what, we we empty these other believer churches out and and convert the witches in town and we're going to need a new church. Hallelujah. All right, read, read, read. So mighty grew the word of God. So, so, so mightily grew the word of God and prevailed. Oh, Jesus. I'm telling you, Paul didn't have to get up behind the pulpit and say, somebody help me. I'm fighting the spirit right now. Somebody help me. Let's break this thing wide open. Somebody get in there and back the preacher. He didn't have to do that. The Bible says that the word of God grew mightily and it prevailed. It was working like a hammer. It was busting every rock that was thrown at it. A great door. And an effectual door. That's the kind of door God opens. 
We're not talking about a little doggy door. Not when God does it. Honey, when God opens a door, it's a great door. When God opens a door, it's an effectual. Come on, true church. I'm preaching to you. I'm talking to you. Because God's been talking to us. We need to understand just what it is that God's been saying to us for the last 20 years. So mightily grew the word of God and prevailed. Now, 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 all this is exciting. All this is exciting, but let's go back and look at that door again. Let's go back and look at what Paul said. And he wrote to the church at Corinth about this door in Ephesus. He said, I'm, I'm going to tarry here in Ephesus until Pentecost. I, I'm, I'm not going anywhere right now. And he said, here's the reason why. What did he say? He said, for a great and for a great door. Great and effectual. effectual is open Great door and effectual. Don't misread it because then I misquote it. Yes. All right, all right. Let's work together on this. For a great door and effectual, and effectual is, open is open unto me. And thank God for that. Amen. I said thank God for that. Amen. Now some of you are already getting nervous because you're reading ahead. He said there's a great door. There's an effectual door, and there's something else, too. There are many adversaries. Uh, there's, there's a great door, and there's an effectual door, but there's something else, too. There's many, many adversaries. The door was open, and no man could shut it. Right? You know what God said? If I open it, no man can shut it. So if God opens it, there's nobody that can close it. But Paul did say, there's a great door. It's an effectual door. But I do want you to know this, Corinth. There's also, along with this, Many adversaries. Now, look, I don't care how great and effectual a door is. I don't care how wide the door is. I don't care how ornate the door is. An open door does no good if you don't go through it. That's profound. But it's true. I don't care what's on the other side of that door, Brother Weems. I don't care if there's $50 billion on the other side of the door. We can stand out here in the hall, ogle that $50 billion, drool over that $50 billion, talk about what we can do with that $50 billion. But it's not doing us one bit of good until we step through the door. Now look, the adversary can't shut the door. You hear me? If God opens it, nobody's going to be able to shut it. If God opens it, nobody can shut it. 
So what do you think the devil's going to do when he knows there's an open door and all kinds of treasure on the other side that's going to help the church flourish and grow? Yeah, you got the picture. He can't close the door. What he can do is somehow keep us from ever going through it. If he can get us to not press our way through that door, then that $50 billion on the other side isn't doing us one, as they say in the South, not one lick of good. I don't know how much a lick is, but it ain't, it ain't even doing us one lick of good. Well, I don't care what's on the other side of that opening. It's wasted until you get through that door. And here's what Paul said. There is a great door. And there's an effectual door. But I'm going to tell you, I am fighting devils. They can't close the door. All they can do is try to discourage me and keep me from going through. And listen, they were there. Now, I've read to you all the good stuff. But there's more to this story than just the good stuff. Let's read. This is, this is still Acts chapter 19, same setting, verses 23. Uh, let's, let's read here. This is a long reading, but I just I want you to hear it. Everybody stay awake for a few more minutes. Everybody, everybody awake for a few more minutes? Right, amen. If, if not, then, then punch your neighbor and give them some no-dos. Um, all right, all right, all right. Read, 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 read. The same time there arose no small stir about that way. Yeah, can you imagine? There's... You know, all these great things are happening. People praying through churches are emptying. Witches are being converted and burning all their paraphernalia. And lo and behold, there's no small stir about that way. Now, when he talks about that way, that was another uh, name for uh, the, the apostolic lifestyle, the, the Christian way. And, and, and just as God's glory starts moving, the devil knows I can't shut the door. What I can do is get Paul distracted, get the church distracted, get them discouraged, stir up a bunch of nonsense. Well, I'm preaching now. Amen. I know we're not jumping and running, hooting, hollering. But I'm preaching to you what I feel tonight. So you'll be praying, you'll be praying. I don't preach on Sunday nights again. You'll be praying. God does something to Brother Hilton and helps him to get over all that where he can be back up here again. I told him I'd, 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 I'd let him preach through an interpreter tonight. I'd translate for him if he'd, if he'd try. He, 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 didn't, he didn't jump at the chance. So, so you stuck with me. You stuck with me. But, but look, here, at, at, at the same time, at the same time, special miracles, Demons cast out, witches being converted, churches emptying. At the same time, bunch of strife, bunch of fussing and carrying on. And where did all that come from? It's a great and effectual door, and there's many adversaries. That's that's where it's coming from. That's that's where it's coming from. All right, read, 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 read. For a certain man named Demetrius. Yeah, there's always a certain man in there, a certain man or a certain woman. There's always somebody at the 
at the, at the center of all this. There's always somebody, always somebody. All right, certain man named Demetrius. Silversmith, which had made silver shrines for Diana. Uh-huh. Brought no small game. And, and look at this. His money's being affected. His pocketbook's being hurt. And he don't like that. So I got to do something about this. Now look, it wasn't Demetrius, really, that was at the core of all this. Demetrius was just a tool. There was an adversary. In fact, there were many adversaries. Demetrius was the tool. He brought no small gain to the craftsman. In fact, it wasn't just him. He had a lot of guys working for him. He's paying a lot of salaries off of all this idolatry. He had, he had quite the following. Read. Whom he had called together with the workmen of like occupation and said, Sirs, you know that by this craft we have our wealth. Uh, follow the money. Read. Moreover, you see and hear that not alone at Ephesus, but almost throughout all Asia, this Paul. Has this Paul, this Paul. He's the problem around here. This Paul is the problem. Read. Hath persuaded. He's convincing people. And turned away much people. Telling people not to buy stuff from us. Saying that be not, be not gods which are made with hands. Uh-huh. It said Paul's going around telling everybody that Diane and all these other idols we're making, they're not really gods and you're wasting your time trying to follow all this and don't listen to this one and don't listen to that. That's Paul. That's Paul. Paul's stirring up all this trouble around here. It's all Paul's fault. Kind of like Ahab. Right, Ahab, Ahab goes to the prophet Elijah and he said, are you the one that's troubling Israel? Elijah said, ain't me causing problems. Buster, it's you and your, your, your father's house. You're the ones causing problems in Israel, not me. Ah, it's Paul. It's all Paul's fault. We're going to lose our money if this keeps going. Read. So that not only this, our craft is in danger. Our craft's in danger. Our job's in danger. To be set at naught. Uh -huh. But also that the temple of the great goddess Diana and should be despised. our church. Our church is going to be hated. Read. And her magnificence should be destroyed. And what a wonderful church. And it's all going to be destroyed. Whom all Asia because, and the world worship. Because Paul's out there trying to Turn people away. Read. And when they had heard, these when things, they heard what Demetrius said, they were full of rage. They got mad. And, and cried out, saying, "Great is Diana!" Now I wonder, brother Josh. I wonder how many of these same craftsmen had been fussing and fighting all week long. Right. You stole my customers. How, how many of these guys had been trying to undermine one another, undercut one another, spreading stories? He's not even using pure silver. He's got a bunch of junk in his idols. Don't you know that's going on? Don't you know they've been fighting with each other? And now all of a sudden, oh, what a spirit of unity. Well, they all came together and all crying with one voice. Great! It's Diana of the Ephesians. Now hang on, folks. Stay with me here. Don't, don't, don't bail out yet. We're going somewhere. We're going somewhere. 
We still got a great door to get through. Amen. Amen. We just got to understand what it's going to cost us to get there. Read, read, read. And the whole city. And all of a sudden, the whole city that's been experiencing this great revival is now filled with confusion. confusion. You know, God is not the author of confusion. And so what'd they do? Having caught Gaius and Achrysus, yeah. men of Macedonia, and Paul's companions in travel, they rushed with one accord. Yeah, it is, it is interesting. Now, it's all Paul's the bad one. Paul's the, Paul's the bad guy. Paul's the bad guy. But they don't try to go get Paul. They're going to get the people closest to Paul. They're going to attack the ones Paul hangs out with. They're going to attack the ones Paul's running with. That's who they want to attack. they they don't attack Paul. They're going to get Paul's attention, so they grab Gaius, Aristarchus, Paul's traveling buddies. Well, they bring them into, into now this wasn't AMC. They brought them into an arena. Brought them into an arena. What are they going to do with them? Let's Skip on down here, verse 23. Uh, I'm sorry, not 23. That's, uh, I think it says that on your sheet. That's actually verse 30, 33. I got it written wrong on here, but, but it says 23, but it's not. The next passage here, 32. That, yeah, I think that's what it is. Okay. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, that's it. 32, 34. That's right. Some therefore cried one thing and some another. Yeah, and all of a sudden, you know, they were all unified and all together, but devil can't stay unified very long. So now they're all of a sudden, one's crying this and one's crying that. And for the assembly was confused. Until they were all confused. And, and the more part knew not, wherefore they were come together. And they drew Alexander out of the multitude, the Jews putting him forward. Uh-huh. And Alexander beckoned with the hand. Yeah. And would have made his defense unto the people. Right. But when they knew that he was a Jew, all with one voice out of the space of two hours, Cried out, great is Diana. Yeah, so here they go again. Here they go. Now listen, I'm just trying to tell you this. God opened a door, and it was a great door, and it was an effectual door. But Paul said there's something that accompanies any great and effectual open door. There's many adversaries. Now listen to me. It wasn't just Demetrius that Paul was fighting in Ephesus. It wasn't just the other silversmiths that Paul was fighting in Ephesus. Listen to his own testimony. 1 Corinthians 15 verse 32. If after the manner of men I have fought with the beasts at Ephesus, what advantage? Where, where are we at? Let's get, let's get, let's get it up here. First, this is 1 Corinthians 15 32. All right, there we go. If after the manner of men I have fought with the beasts of Ephesus. Yeah, now listen. I know, depends on who you read, I don't believe he's talking about animals. He's not talking about that he had to go fight off lions and tigers and bears. He's talking about spiritual beasts. I've fought some men. I've had to deal with some men. But I'm going to tell you the biggest fight I've had is with the beasts, with the demons that have set up shop in Ephesus. Now listen to me, church. You talk about adversaries. You talk about adversaries. 
But I want us to go back again. I'm getting close to the end. I promise you I am. There's only, only a few more scriptures here. I, I'm, I'm getting close to the end. Let's go back and look at what he said in 1 Corinthians 16, verses 8 and 9. 1 Corinthians 16, verses 8 and 9. For a great door and effectual... Wait, 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 wait. That's just verse 9. I want verse 8. But I will tarry at Ephesus there we go. until Pentecost. I will tarry at Ephesus until Pentecost. For a great door. Because a great door and effectual is opened unto me, and there are many. Now, let me just tell you something, church. Let me tell you, because some of you are getting tired and about to bail out on me here, but look at this. I want you to see number one a great door and effectual is open unto me. He did not say, but there are many adversaries. In other words, he's not putting a conjunction there. That would mean, look, this is this really can be very discouraging to me. And I, I just want you to know, I, I don't know if we're going to get through this or not. He didn't say that. He used the conjunction and. He's, what he's saying is, you might as well write it down. If God opens a door, the devil's going to show up. But this is what I like. And the reason I wanted you to read verse 8 is because you notice verse 9 starts with the word for or because. Because he's giving the reason why he's just made a decision. What decision did he make? His decision was, put verse 8 back up there again if you could. Verse 8, what did he say? But I will tarry. I'm going to tarry at Ephesus. Here was the decision that he made. I'm staying right where I'm at. I'm staying right where I'm at. And I'll tell you why. Because I got a great door. It's an effectual door. And I got a lot of adversaries that I plan on taking down. That's why I'm staying where I'm at. I'm not just staying for the glory, but I'm staying to destroy the devils, uh, to bring down the powers of hell. I'm staying. I'm going to deal with those adversaries. I'm going to bring them down. Woo! He didn't say. He didn't say. Because there's many adversaries, I'm getting out of town. He didn't say, I'm tired of fighting. Somebody ring the bell, let me go back to my corner, get a drink. Somebody bring a towel. Somebody fan me down, I'm, I'm tired of fighting. Tired, no, 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 no. He said, you know what I'm going to do? I'm staying right here in the ring. I'm staying right here in the ring because I know on the other side of that adversary, is a greater and more effectual door than I've ever experienced before. My mind is made up. My heart is fixed. It's settled in my spirit. Oh, hallelujah. Now, now, now listen. Listen to me. He told Corinth, I'm staying where I'm at. Stay where I'm at, because I got my eye on something. Now, Paul, you've already seen a great revival, right? And you prayed all those Baptists through. You converted all those witches. You've seen special miracles happen. You've cast out devils. Man, you talk about a revival. Paul said, yeah, but as long as there's an adversary there, I know 
there's still something worth fighting for. That devil's not going to be there if there's not a big prize on the other side. So I want you Corinthians to know I'm staying right where I'm at in the midst of this fight because I'm getting to the big prize. Come on, somebody. Understand what I'm telling you right now. I'm going to keep fighting until I get to the big prize. Oh, thank God for hundreds that have come to the truth. Thank God for miracles. Thank God for demons being cast. But that's not the ultimate. As long as that devil's ugly face is still around, I got a lot of fight still in me. What are you trying to get to, Paul? What is this big goal? How could it be any better than this? Listen to this. Acts 19 verses 8 through 10. And when they went into the synagogue and spake boldly for the space of three months, disputing and persuading the things concerning the kingdom of God. Three months, three months, nonstop. We're preaching truth. We're preaching truth. We're preaching truth. We're preaching truth. They're debating. They're, 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 they're trying to lay out the truth for three solid months. They're doing it. Read. But when divers, but were, hardened, divers were hardened and, believed and they didn't believe but spake and they spake evil the of that way before the multitude. He departed from now, he them. Just, he just walked away from that group. He didn't leave Ephesus. Read. And separated, separated the disciples. disciples. And so then he went daily in the school, in the school of one, one. Tyrannus. And that's not Tyrannosaurus Rex. Tyrannus. He, he, he said there's a school there. There's a college there. There's some guys studying over there. And I got my doctorate degree. And I'm going to go over there. And I'm going to teach them a thing or two. Yeah. If you Jews don't want this in your synagogue, I'm going to go find me a classroom somewhere. Because I know I haven't reached the depth of what's on the other side of this open door. So I'm not leaving Ephesus yet. So where are we going, Paul? Let's keep reading. And this continued? This continued? By the space of two years. By the space of two years. And what happened as a result of fighting the beasts of Ephesus? What happened as a result of standing his ground? Amen. And fighting against the adversaries to get through the open door. What happened? Read. So that all they which dwelt in Asia. All they which dwelt in Asia heard the word of the Lord Jesus. Both Jews and Do you understand? This is the great and effectual door. Thank God for the crowds that prayed through. Thank God for the religious people that came to truth. But this was the goal he was reaching for. The entire continent is going to hear the message before I back down. Come on, somebody. I'm telling you, God spoke to this church. He said, I'm giving you an open door. It's a great door. It's an effectual door. determined that no amount or size of adversaries was going to keep him from reaching the goal that was on the other side of the door God opened. And I'm saying to this church tonight, we got to make up our minds right now. Thank God for the liberty that broke through in this place this morning. Thank God for the liberty we had tonight. But honey, we're still looking at that door. We haven't stepped through it yet. 
God is just showing us what's on the other side. We got to make up our minds. We're going to go through that. I don't care what I got to do. I don't care what devil I got to fight. I don't care what it's going to take. I don't care how much energy it's going to consume. I see something big on the other side of that door. I'm going to tell you, Brother Nelson, I'd be, I'd be rejoicing if I could just stand here one night and say, all of Olathe has heard the truth. Oh, I'd be rejoicing. I'd really be rejoicing if I could say, all of Johnson County has heard the truth. I'd be rejoicing. If I could say, all of Kansas City has heard the truth. Because we stood our ground. Because we fought the devils. Because we didn't give up. We didn't back up. We didn't shut up. But Paul, he kept on pressing till the whole continent. Hallelujah. Till the whole continent. All they, this was before radio, before television, before the internet, before the printing press, before Facebook, before the telephone, before there were church cards, before there were PA systems. I'm telling you, when God opens a great and effectual door, God just provides the tools that are needed to glean the treasure he's got waiting on the other side. I'm preaching to this church tonight. I believe, I said it to you this morning, I believe God has opened a door to us. I believe God has given us a window of opportunity. The door is open and no man can shut it. I don't want to wait until God shuts it and no man can open it before I start fighting the devil. I'm telling you, I want to make up my mind right now. You're not gaining any more ground, devil. You've won your last battle. You're done. Hallelujah. We got to make up our mind. Read for me Matthew chapter 11 verse 12. And from the days of, from John, the days the of John the Baptist now, until now the kingdom of, the heaven, kingdom suffereth of heaven suffereth violence and the violent, and the make, violent make up their mind. There's an open door and there's many adversaries. But my focus is not on the adversary except to bring him down. My focus is what I'm going to get when I get through that door. The kingdom of heaven is suffering violence right now but this one I'm going to take it by force. Yeah. Hallelujah. Let's stand. Let's stand. Mark chapter 5. We'll get to this in our Sunday morning lessons sometime. Maybe by my 70th birthday. I don't know. I hope it's not that long. I hope we're not in chapter 5 that long. That's, a, that's still 10 and a half years away. But Mark chapter 5, 
There's a story here we all know. Woman who had an issue of blood. Now listen to me. Because of her condition, the Jewish law said she was unclean. Not only was she unclean, but anyone who touched her became unclean. And anyone she touched became unclean. Now, this woman had a lot of valid excuses she could have relied on to not make her way to Jesus. A lot of valid excuses. Looking at the crowd that's around him. Considering the people that are thronging him. She's had a blood problem for 12 years. She's weak. Everybody standing around the master is stronger than she is. That ought to be reason enough for some folks to just say, what's the use? I'm not as strong as they are. I can't get through that crowd. She could have done that. And I can almost promise you, Brother Josh, that among the thoughts that were plaguing her mind that day, there was this thought. If I do try to make my way through the crowd, everybody that I have to reach up and pull them out of the way, I just made them unclean. It's going to hurt them. It's going to affect them. I believe those things went through her mind. She knew the law. She understood. I'm telling you, I believe the devil was plaguing her mind with everything he could put there to convince her, don't do this. You're not strong enough. You're unclean. You're going to bother everybody else. Other people want to get to Jesus too. You're just proud. You're just trying to steal the show. I'm telling you, the devil's the same devil. She had a lot of reasons to just give up and say, forget it. I'm sure these thoughts pressed in her mind. But I'm going to tell you what she did. She pressed through her thoughts. I'm sure the people there were stronger than she was. But her determination was stronger than they were. Am I preaching to anybody tonight? That was my last scripture. We can, we can breathe a sigh of relief. That's my last scripture. I'm just telling you, church, the devil is going to give you plenty of reasons and plenty of opportunity to just say, it's just not going to work. I'll never get there. We'll never see it happen. It's not going to come to pass. We're not strong enough. We're not big enough. Hey, Philadelphia, you just got a little bit of strength right now. But I'm telling you, it's not your strength that's going to open the door. 
It's not your strength that's going to open the door, Philadelphia. It's a great door, and it's an effectual door, and you don't have to be strong enough to get it open because I am going to open it, and when I open it, nobody is going to be able to shut it. Oh, let's lift our hands and love the Lord. I want to know tonight, is there anybody else that's got your mind made up? God, I see there is an open door. Oh, I know there's adversaries. I know there's adversaries. But when we get through those adversaries, oh, God have mercy. What a revival we're going to have. Anybody else? Is there anybody here tonight? Anybody here tonight? 